0: Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. So uh, anyway, the, there's a lot to be said in that space. But the way that uh, Seth is going to do it is it's like, yeah, that stuff's going to accumulate in the bottom of the pond. And every once in a while, you want to dredge the pond. Right. Now, this leads back to something that you said about an hour ago. You used the word... Siphon. And mm-hmm. I, I just wanna say, cause it sounded like the way that you described it is like, oh yeah there'd be, a, a siphon set up all over the place and it would run 24-7. And I'm kinda like, whoa, 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 whoa. A siphon is a cool thing to use a few times a year. It's, it's like, uh, uh, and then plus not only that, but it's cool in that like, let's say you've got a pond and it's got a whole bunch of, a, a gunk in the bottom of the pond that you want to move onto your gardens, then it's like, great. Um, so you've got two people. One person who's holding the end of the siphon at the bottom of the pond, treating it a little bit like a vacuum cleaner, uh, vacuuming up the muck off the bottom of the pond, and you got another person with the other end of the siphon that's downhill that's uh, shooting this muddy water all over some raised beds or something. Uh, well, or probably okay. It. And then once you're done, then you put the siphon away in a shed or something. And you, you don't leave it there all year. Ta-da! Okay. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And that actually, that's a, a value add to,
1: to what I had was just thinking of, which was sketched out in the designer's manual, which is something I hadn't seen before, which it had a little buoy. So basically it, it showed this pipe that was hanging out just barely under the surface of the pond. And the way that it was achieving that feat of engineering was a little stringed up kind of buoy yeah. Hold, yeah. holding it, holding it near the surface, but then a counterbalancing uh, sack of rocks, keeping it, under the the top level so i could imagine that you could leave that end in and then sort of um maybe with uh, some sort of uh a twisting angle or or kind of a by some by some mechanical means be able just to lift it back up to the level of that water level and that stops the siphon from from sucking but Whenever you feel like it, you just walk over and go, oh, that needs something. And then that could be connected to a a wand on a hose or whatever. And then you're just like, oh, this – this in a dry uh, terrace, let's say, or bed below that pond that has that floating – float valve-ish kind of siphon going on then but yeah so i wouldn't yeah i guess if you leave it you'd be you'd be curious george and you'd be really sad if you forgot you slept on that one and it was down at the bottom because then you'd have to the lat to that level right if it was that low but if you wanted i love the idea of vacuuming out and dredging in in that sense because yeah it also bill was saying like don't plant all of the uh if you're if you don't have a uh a a sort of a valve a pipe that would be lower down that you would um drain the pond with if you don't install a drain then you should be preparing to muck rake it out with buckets and then you want to have sort of like a an area that's open that you don't plant trees so that you can successfully harvest that that muck and and do that you know on a on a on a regular cycle but uh man we're getting into all the fun stuff
0: (laughs) i i have a bunch of pictures that i've posted out to permies.com from a a a pond that i built in 2004 and uh it's got exactly that thing that you're talking about but i used it in a different way so i I mean it's got the floaty and it's got the rocks and it holds that pipe at that right place and this is where we're kind of getting back to the whole concept of like uh Hey, let's, let's clean this water by making a septic tank. Mm. We want the sinkies to sink and the floaties to float and the best water is right in the middle. And, and it's like that, hence the floaty holding that pipe like just like a foot below the surface or maybe two feet below the surface and getting that water that's, that's the cleanest water in that pond. And so then, you know, so there's times when we want The cleanest water in the pond. Now there's, there's other ways to do the same trick. But, uh, for that, for all those pictures that I put up in 2004, from that 2004 pond, then, uh, what I did was, I routed a polypipe through the dam and down to the next pond. So there was like this draw and I made a series of ponds. And, and so then this polypipe would go into the dam and it was kind of riding the surface. But the thing is, is that I, I modified it so that it would break the siphon. there would be definitely no siphon. Um, and there's, a, there's a couple of different ways to go about doing that. And I, and I detail those in that thread at, at Permis. But then the idea was, is that The apex of this pipe therefore defined what would be the water level in this pond. That's your overflow, right, at that point. Well, uh, I'm gonna call it, I'm gonna call it not the overflow, but let's call it the primary flow. Because on my ponds, I also add a finger on the pond. And so this is where the finger on the pond follows, uh, one of the banks away from the pond, and so there'll be water three feet deep, which will gradually get to being like half a foot deep when you get to the end of the finger, and Mm -hmm. then you have the emergency overflow. Mm -hmm. If you want your emergency overflow to go not over the dam, but instead over existing hillside. So that way... It won't Uh, erode your pond. It won't destroy the dam and make all the water go downhill to visit the neighbors.
1: Exactly. Oh man, there is a good bit. There is a good bit in there. Oh, in the manual. See if I can find it. Uh, but yeah, how are you feeling? But now here's, let's,
0: let's talk about the finger on the pond just real quick since I've introduced. So what I've got is, is I've got a deep pond, which is excellent for trout habitat. And I got this shallow finger on the pond, which acts as not only an emergency overflow, but also trout food habitat. Yes. So all the things trout like to eat, like that shallow bit that's going over there. But if the water is flowing only slightly, the water's going to flow through the pipe and it won't go down the finger. Mm-hmm. And okay. um, yeah, so then basically lots and lots of trout food is going to like go crazy inside that finger on the pond. And if we've got a, a high water event, then uh there's the, the water that's going through the pipe is at full capacity and all the rest of the water is going down the emergency overflow. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay. And
1: I think so the technical term, I think, and I hadn't heard this before rereading this or I hadn't it hasn't sunk in so to speak no pun intended is the anundation or anundated these are ponds within ponds nesting them and that can be done exactly as you're saying there's different areas that have even segregation of the young and the old and the the uh the cannibalistic and the non-cannibalistic and and then so you have the ability to just stack these different dimensional functions
0: um that's a pond within a pond i think I think there's a pond feeding a pond. I think almost there you go. all uh, permaculture water systems are defined like we want to slow the water down. We want to keep the water on the land as long as possible. And um, uh, so, yeah, a pond will feed a pond, will feed a pond, will feed a pond. That's that's pretty normal within most permaculture designs, which this is the part of the permaculture design which is wholeheartedly stealing from uh, the key line designs uh, from P.A. Young. Well let me throw this out here. Uh this
1: is the uh the the caveat, the buyer beware, the disclaimer. I love the way he put this, so I'm gonna I I Grab some quotes here. So he says, Bill Molston says, for the building of large dams above, above human settlements, busy roads or populated valleys, we modest pond workers need make way for the more heroic aptitude of the civil hydraulics engineer. And even then with the lingering doubt that their structures will in the end persist or that the potential catastrophe will merely be deferred. As a safe limit, ponds in restricted valleys should be limited to one or two meters in height. While those above broad flats can safely disperse a great volume of water, so that's, in essence, what you're talking about. Having that the overflow go in a direction that doesn't create a is gully the right word or just basically cut a channel in and then you have you just breach it and then whatever's downslope you end up uh, in a liability um, <laughs> situation with.
0: Well, all right, let's let's say because one of the things to keep in mind is is that. Most of the time, when you're building a pond, if the if the dam is eight feet tall or shorter, and the size of the pond is a quarter of an acre or smaller, most of your government agencies um, don't give a shit. And and by don't give a shit, I mean like they might it, like. Oftentimes, it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. Um, so, like, there's there, there's going to be like more than 20 government agencies that wish to be involved in your pawn decisions, and um, uh, a lot of them have a very strict policy of something between no and hell no and fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> and and other agencies are like, oh, we have the things that we're concerned about. We want to know and. And we're going to make a decision, yay or nay, based on the stuff that we care about. And other uh, agencies, other government agencies are going to be like, um, uh, yes, and and here's money, and uh, uh, here's a lot of money, here's an obscene amount of money. So um, some people are like, they find out who the right government agency is, and then they are like, I'm going to talk to the government. And I'm gonna I've I've decided which one's the one that says hell yes with money. And so I talked to them, and then if anybody <laughs> asks me if I have permission, it turns out to be yes. So you I went to the department that. of making you poor, is that correct? So so th- here's the <laughs> thing, and it's like it's amazing how much I get contacted. Apparently, uh, because I talk about the department of making you sad. And it's amazing how many people work for the department of making you sad that listen to my podcast. Oh (laughs) yeah. But there've been a bunch of them that have come here for events and they've been amazing. And, and it's like, but they'll admit there are people within my department where it's like, I don't know, they're on some kind of twisted power trip and all they want to do is stop everybody from everything. But, but, of course, you know, it's a job, and they're getting paid to do a certain thing, and they're involved in the things that they think are cool, and they get an opportunity to tell other people about permaculture techniques. So they kind yeah. of groove on their job. What a cool thing to be yeah. paid to talk about permaculture. <laughs> so uh, um, cool and awesome. Plus, we've got all these great sorts, like with, with Erica Wisner wanting to – she built a rocket mass heater. And uh, the department of making you sad comes, and so there's a regulator there, and his job is to stop her in a way. And so then um, he's—it's amazing how he does it. And he is—he's just being amazing, but it's his job to say no under right conditions. But so anyway, what he does is he says, um, uh, "Is this your only form of heat?" And he's nodding, he's nodding his head up and down. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Is this your only form of heat? As his head goes up and down, and she says, "No, we have electric heat too." (laughs) (laughs) And he kind of does face palm, and then he says, "Okay, (laughs) um, is is this a historical type of heat?" And he's nodding his head up and down vigorously. And she says, (laughs) no, this is a relatively new technology. (laughs) (laughs) Beast (laughs) bomb. And so, but anyway, in the end, rocket mass heaters through this, through Erica and Ernie, uh, uh, rocket mass heaters, there's, they're now in the code in Portland, Oregon. And now, and now other cities all over the United States are, are, you know, embracing rocket mass heaters, but going back to ponds, a lot of times, the regulator will come out and will think, "What you're doing is so cool." Like, like, let's say it's time to ask forgiveness. Like, it's come up. Now, Sepp Holzer was in Bozeman, and and he's building. His job is to build a pond, but the um the owner of the property decided to not build a pond, you know, at the last second. So we here we are. There's like 40 of us standing around waiting for this pond to be built. And the owner put the kibosh on it because regulators could come and make them sad. And I, and I kind of felt like, all right, in the spot where they wanted to build the pond, there was one neighbor that could possibly see the pond. And so my thought was, oh, right here along this fence line, is the perfect place to build a berm, yeah. about 15 feet tall. And then at the base of the berm is going to be this lovely pond. And um, and it's like when you're talking about asking forgiveness instead of permission, then usually the only thing you ever have to get forgiveness is if uh, somebody has filed a complaint about your pond. And so then the department of making you sad is complaint driven and they have to come out and like, you know, make a call. So then, you know, if, so first step one, eliminate the possibility for there to be a complaint. And then there's a good chance that if there is any complaint, it will come 30 years after you've died. (laughs) And by then the pond will probably have filled up with uh, so much silt that it's it becomes more of a swamp than a pond, so it's like you know it's all over. Don't worry about it; it's done. Right. So, um, I and then when they do come, then uh, a lot of times they're going to be saying something like, "And here's here's the right answer." Does this pond bring water to animals? The correct answer is no. Basically it's like this, if you Mm. built a pond because you happened to have an excavator and you were bored one day, that is the American way and that's good. But if you built the pond to serve some kind of function, that's wrong. You are, you are abusing this poor water. So it's, you know, anyway, but they'll, but a lot of times the regulator will be right there, uh, shaking their head. Like, did you build it so you could get water for animals? And they'll go, they'll be shaking their head. <laughs> and then you're going to go, um, um, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> are, well, you, it, are you deriving any benefit from this pond? And then they shake their head and you go, um, uh, no. <laughs> Well, you,
1: correct me if I'm wrong on this, but didn't at one point the rebel farmer himself, Sepp Holzer, decide to basically sell tickets to a theme park where if people five finger discounted his produce, it was on them to avoid the liability of being regulated out of existence for farming in ways that were, um, shall we say, in, in contrast to the, uh, the corporate baddies, right? Right. <laughs>
0: Nobody has paid as much uh, in fines, uh, in agricultural fines. Nobody in all of Europe has paid as much in agricultural fines as Sepp Holzer, which kind of uh, attests to how much money he's making because he made enough <laughs> money to be able to pay all those fines. Um, and then, uh, yes, he, he stopped selling food because it's so regulated. And uh, instead, what he would do is give tours. And, uh, and then people, those bastards would steal his food. I mean, they would show up for the tour with these yeah. big empty yeah. backpacks and stuff. And, uh, and then he'd get to his house and say, tour is over, show yourself out. And then apparently they were stealing his food. Um, so, <laughs> so, so, uh, yeah, but he's not selling food. Right. Because that yeah. is seriously so regulated that it would be uh, super-duper difficult, right? And sure. so he's dodging that bullet. But uh, my understanding is is that he gets about $3 million per year from tours on his 110-acre property. So when you get a lot of people who are like, you know, they've got 20 acres and they're talking about, you know, trying to make money or they, they think about things like the farmer's market, and it's like, wow, if I did a farmer's market, I might – If I worked hard and did a great job and stuff like that, I might be able to make a dollar fifty an hour.
1: (laughs) Yeah. For all my work. No, yeah, no offense to those who do, do that. But, uh, I think I, you know, bringing this full circle, what this, so what I would like to brand this project as is it is a place for people to come and do, uh, life modeling, artistry painting so you're going to see a bunch of naked people and a bunch of artists with little artist uh caps and their their wood canvas and they're going to be just painting and and everything that's ecological and design and landscape is just there to be the props the background for these uh these sketch artists and these painters to do the uh the nude modeling uh Painting works, and that can be a a source of revenue, so come and and get uh, (laughs) – and then if you need to take a break to uh, take a dip or have a bite, it's all there for you.
0: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't – I'm not an artist, so I I don't really – I'm not going to be painting, and I'm definitely not a model,
1: (laughs) but – Let's, I, I, I want to touch do a,
0: on one last thing because we talked it. about Sepulchre's Spring Terrace. And in that podcast, in the same podcast, we talked about my design, which is a humus well, which I okay. think as long as you have a sloped land that you can work with um, and you don't have that amazing uh, geology underneath, you can still get most of the same effect from a humus well. Um, and so this is my design, and then basically the idea is is that you're going to create something that's got a, a pond-like surface underground that comes to a point and delivers water to a point. And then you're going to plant um, three to six feet deep of growies on top of that. So that way, uh, as the humus builds up and it holds water, it's going to Shed that water all year long, and so basically you've got all the benefit of the spring terrace, but without that um, amazing geology under underground. So you've got some other geology. The humus well should be able to work also. All right, so awesome. um, I'm looking through my notes. I think we've covered all of the things because you brought up several points. I tried to make notes as as we went along to make sure that I, I covered certain things but did we did we cover all your stuff i think this was yeah totally enriching and, and
1: fulfilling and, and a very healthy uh, yeah, extra bonus uh, I, I paid for the hour and you gave me two and a quarter and you were just just amazingly generous with that kind of thing and i appreciate it so much and hopefully we added some some hilarity and some value in entertainment and uh I have one personal last question for you, and you can um take it or leave it but um is there the the overalls right what is there a uh any like functional design consideration to why you're such a fan because I never felt called to it, but maybe I'm missing out because it has some some utility is it just yeah it, it, could you um Give a a treatise on the the power and and wonder of overalls in in your personal design.
0: Um, How about this? Uh, um, I would say that there are some women out there that like wearing a summer dress. And then you can ask them, why do you like wearing the summer dress? And so I think it's probably going to be for a lot of the same reasons. A, uh, you don't have anything binding at the waist. Now, granted, I'm a fat guy, so, um, it's kind of like, uh, uh, there might be, you know, thin people where it's like, oh, these jeans I'm wearing are very loose at the waist because my belly is much smaller than my butt. And so, but for those of us where our belly is larger than our butt, then the pants desperately want to be on the ground unless you've got some sort of, uh, uh, strap them down technique uh bind them to you so they so they will not try it to go for the ground whereas with overalls it goes over your shoulders it's loose and you're you've got all this space and room and it's so comfortable um it, does this make sense does this help paint a picture plus no, that, the pockets great, yeah. so many pockets all these pockets Awesome. So, and I,
1: I, I recall there was one episode where you said, Hey, I'm a guy. I wear, I wear overalls and, uh, and if I, it's a filter in my dating career because if you don't <laughs> like it and you don't want it, then you're not my kind of gal. And, uh, oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Last, last, last thing. Could you please, could you please, uh, give us a, a, a live version of the, the rant that you gave from the intentional communities series of podcasts where you talk about Buckets of crazy and stabbiness and basically you gave this great metric was that which was that if you're single well you
0: tell it, you the 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 one hundred percent relationship failure rate. Do you remember that Riff? I think it seems like you just now touched on to like three hours of stuff and probably (laughs) twenty different quotes. So um one of the things I want I wish to do with all of my experimentation is to be able to come up with a design so 20 people can live under one roof without stabbing each other. <laughs> and so that's right. that's one of my goals. I mean, yeah. there's also curing cancer and um, solving our energy crisis and a bunch of other things. But um, uh, so that's one. There's also the thing about – so you're mentioning my overalls. And, uh, uh, yeah, my overalls have superpowers – they keep away people that think fashion is important. Although in your in your world, it's like I guess it's the opposite. Uh, your your people wear nothing at all. <laughs> and you're like, oh, we don't think fashion's important either. We put it all over there. <laughs> so um, well, there's I'm, another
1: reason not to use mulch because you can't walk barefoot on it without getting splinters in your feet. So
0: how do you like that one? Uh, I, I kind of feel like that's part of your general design is to make it so you can walk barefoot over your entire property, right? Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. And so, so there's different kinds of mulch that will will do better with that. Um, Living mulch, living mulch, yeah. I mean, when you, the fucking wood chipper makes the stuff that wants to be (laughs) slivers, doesn't it? It's like, let's make this, let's make this have a hundred times more slivers for people. And then, you know, so it's like, yeah, let's not do the wood chipper. And suddenly you're having a lot less slivers, right? Right. Yeah. So, um, and then, and then, yeah, there was something, so you must have listened to my relationship podcast, which is one of those, I've got like three podcasts that are like, uh, I've got a price tag on them of $25 each. And it says, do not buy this. And it's like, uh, Basically, the whole idea is, is like, if people are going to hate me, I want to at least get twenty-five dollars out of them first. <laughs> but in the relationship podcast, I, I do make it clear that, um, and we I talk about a lot of different things in that one. But uh, one of the points that I make is that, um, uh, if with the exception of death or your current relationship, then. Everybody's track record on relationships is a 100% failure. <laughs> that is mathematically correct, is it not? I it, mean, it is. Where is the hole in my math on that? So, well, if
1: I, and the problem is the solution. And if you, if you, if I may, I would like to say polyamory and polyculture are, are words to, to ponder in the same sentence. And, uh, and I think if I've coined a word, it is, to be like alleopathic, to be monogopathic in your relationships and that's where a lot of the stabby comes from with with jealousy and uh people not getting along and resentment and all that stuff so just a little nugget there food for thought but uh is <coughs> good for everyone and everything and uh you never know until you try i guess is what i would say
0: <laughs> I, I i've known a lot of polyam folk and um, and i got to say i i think that just like under with permaculture there's many schools of thought and um, in the space of uh, uh monogamy or polyamory or even um, um, you know choosing to be asexual um, then uh i i think that there's many schools of thought and um, i i kind of feel like um, i'm i am uh a bit more reluctant than the polyamorous crowd to get into relationships. It seems like the people that do polyamory are, are far more durable than I am in relationships. And, um, I think one, for me, one at a time is plenty. And so, uh, I, I like, uh, I, yeah. And, um uh, <clears throat> uh along those lines i i'm um, uh, it looks like soon i'm going to be uh by myself again and so oh. and and it's kind of like uh All for uh, the best or I, said? no i think i think that everybody grows and um, uh i think that uh Jocelyn is has uh she's i think she's coming to the conclusion and and so to the point where uh She's putting her stuff in boxes and, uh, of that, this, this brand of community living is, is not a best fit for her. And so, it's all good, it's all great, it's all lovely, and at the same time, what the main point I'm trying to say is, is like, I'm embracing the idea of just being alone. (laughs) Just, so I'm not, I'm still moving forward with all of my community plans and doing community stuff, but in my very Personal intimate life. It's like I think I'm entering into a phase of being just by myself, and um, uh, I, I, in fact, I that's what I was thinking I was doing when I met Jocelyn. <laughs> and and if you listen to the relationship podcast, I'm going to talk about that in more detail. But the but the big thing is is that uh, um, I, you know, you're talking about polyamory, and it's kind of like, oh, that just seems like such so much heartache so much um it's so much it's so much i've I have had I've been twice in my life I've been given the opportunity to do uh, a threesome with with two women and I declined both times <laughs> it's, it's kind of like oh, I don't think I can do that so many people well, it's, are it's, far it's... more adventuresome than I am and I, I get, call it uh... <laughs> my my own comfort zone of adventure and each person gets to have their own comfort zone of adventure well if if
1: i were your your spiritual love life coach i would say lean into the edge get it edge <laughs> of your of your experimentation and i'd also say heart gardening is not for the lazy heart gardener oh and, i see uh, yeah but no um very, very interesting. And and I'd be, I'd be, yeah, I, I actually have not, I'm going to do it now, but, uh, I had not purchased that secret, uh, um, uh, when a paywalled relationship podcast. So I'm going to have oh. to listen to that. And I, I deep bows to Jocelyn. We met briefly at that one time and I have thoroughly enjoyed her on the podcast and I hope she will continue to be uh your counterpart on on ongoing podcasts because that dynamic was priceless and and i wish you both all of the absolute best in your your new new phase of growth and uh and for the best of your time for for more more you time and more introspection and and um when you were rejoining the market Let's, let's talk because I, I would love to, uh, I would love to return some, some of the favor on the, on the consultation if you, <laughs> if you dare.
0: <laughs> I, uh, yeah, i that might be a very, very long time. And I, I don't think I'm doing more podcasts with Jocelyn. I kind of got the message that, 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 that Jocelyn doesn't care to do any more podcasts. And, uh, um, Jocelyn is fantastic. Maybe, maybe there's people listening where there's, there's fellas listening and it's like, ooh, Jocelyn's coming up. <laughs> It was like, yeah, you would do well. <laughs> you would do well. Um, and so, uh, uh, but um, I'm. Um, <clears throat> uh, you said lean into, and I think what I want to lean into is uh, the work that I'm already doing, and and to finish books and to finish other projects and and uh, accelerate the projects that are happening here at Wheaton Labs. And, and this is where I think I wish to, to lean into. Uh, this is going to be my, my primary motivation. Uh, which is what it's always been, really. Um, and, uh, and I think that, uh, uh, things will be slower without Jocelyn here, to be sure, but hopefully, uh, the bootcamp will fill out and that'll, that'll compensate. And so we'll, we'll still have a strong forward velocity. All right. All right, so ben, I it seems like throughout this conversation, there's like a hundred more topics to expand on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is we're we're pretty much out of time here. Yeah.
1: Um, it's been it's been a mouthful.
0: <laughs> An earful, uh, a mouthful. And so now, real quick, if people are listening to my podcast and they want to. uh uh, hear more of your podcast, how do they find you? Oh, it's
1: tantrapunk.com T-A-N-T-R-A-P-U-N-K dot com. Be warned, there are... um sections of the website that are pretty much all uh, flagged to where you have to opt in to 18 plus content which is all free I should, I should mention but uh, the podcast section there are adult themes it is explicit but that is accessible without the uh, age gate uh, verification wall and so you can go to tantrapunk.com and I've got blog posts, over two hundred and fifty podcasts with lots of colorful um guests speaking on, on all topics and uh and lots of very explicit videos dealing mostly with what I call sexorcism, which is a big other can of worms that we won't get into, but uh but it is my Permaculture, permaculture artisanship and romance with nature that led me to that path and so if that is a path that you something you struggle with um you may find some value there to check that out and it's not for the squeamish or for the not of age folks so that uh, is 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 what i'd have to say about that um but, I'm, but then this was a leap for me. I actually misspelled the word permaculture for several years because I did not want to. I was afraid and shy because I didn't want to contaminate the 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 Google sphere and the interwebs with um, adult content intermingling with with my. Uh, I don't want to say. Um, well, my my uh, my geeky nerdy permaculture. Um, my own little life lab of permaculture. But when Bill passed. And I think a lot of people know that, uh, he was the thorny pioneer species of the whole movement and that he also had some, some, um, interesting, uh, commentary on gender politics and some interesting, uh, somewhat crude ways of, of some people <laughs> might find to be less than, than academic feminist protocols in, in, in his, um, political correctness. But I waited until he passed so that if I, step up into this space of sexual permaculture and i start writing poetry and creating content around that then he you know we we won't have to um to to duke that out so so to speak but i i feel more comfortable now being able to express myself in that area so if that's something that you felt like has been missing not from the pdc per se but just from a perspective of um of holistic design and harmonious social, sexual permaculture and looking at being willing to have that conversation, which I think if that conversation was being had, there would be less buckets of crazy, less stabbiness, and more functional uh, communities. And even Jeff Lawton said things like, uh paraphrasing, and he's a huge hero of mine, he said things like, basically i'm paraphrasing designing with animal systems that's pretty predictable but once you get into the humans and the the interns and the all that stuff ooh, the look on his face was priceless to be like it is so so difficult to to manage this stuff and i know you've said things about just like you got to design uh intern habitat acknowledging the sort of that the needs the needs the inputs the intrinsic characteristics the way we look at livestock as designers, we also have to think about that in our relationships, in our working dynamics with people who are volunteering. And all of those those sectors and vectors have got to be designed for, and that's what we're here for. So I'm here to open that dialogue, and anybody who wants to participate in that dialogue, whether it's to call people out and do a Me Too, uh, call me out, throw me under the bus, dra- roast me <clears throat> and drag me over the coals, troll me half to death I'm open to that I'm a I'm a masochist for trolling because I will tickle the demons out of you and and make all of us be able to dance blissfully on this beautiful garden planet and uh, live happily ever after with less Stabby so that's that's me in a nutshell and, and what I have to offer there and we will definitely have you on all again very soon for you to give an expose on your new book and once I've been able to read it cover to cover uh, I will have some, some notes to, to go through and that's going to be an absolute treat and hopefully we will get to circle back on more of this stuff. It was the epic three part series we did many years ago and we've both come a long way since then and, uh, and I'm coming out and, and doing what I do and so uh, I appreciate you holding this space for me in a good way and, uh, and like I said, it was a leap of faith for me to kind of, um, co these two different paths that I've been on, the, the sort of, in your words, the shaman stuff and, or the purple breathing in Larry's words and then the, uh, the taboo stuff. Um, but you're very comfortable being the adult that you are and using adult language. So really this is a, just another, another home for you. I'm creating habitat for Paul on my podcast, whether you like it or not. Okay. Get dirty, and we're going to talk about whatever is is on our mind. So you always have that um, a place to vent, a place to be heard, and to be respected and acknowledged for all of your. um, (laughs) You are the. if, If anyone can say you have toxic masculinity, I would say you're the one person who is most devoted to detoxing everything toxic. So I have great respect and great. Love and, and appreciation for, for you and all the efforts that you put in and, and whoever is, is hating on you. I just, I'm going to shoot them with a rainbow gun of loving light and purple
0: breath, stinky purple breath. <laughs> 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 uh, okay, so. been, I, I do think that there's a lot of people sending a lot of toxic stuff my way, but I think it's far more a reflection of them than it is on me. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, really, what, what does it boil down to? Like, uh, I, I haven't, I, my work is like, here's my work, my, what I'm doing on my property and they're getting upset. And I think mostly what they're getting upset about is, is that they told me that I had to behave a certain way and I'm going about my life living it my way instead of their way. And they're very angry about that or that they tell me what I have to say in my podcast and, uh, and then I don't. They're very angry about that. So I think it's, really on them and so uh for your audience looking for my podcast uh you know you just put in my name like google for paul wheaton podcast you'll find it if you put in just paul wheaton then you'll get to find some of the people who have negative things to say about me. <laughs> that's right that's, yeah oh, and, God. And, and you take a good look at them and you kind of decide are they lovely people or are they shitty people? <laughs> you decide for yourself. I think the answer is pretty clear, but I, I gotta say, uh, we did, we did put out a podcast with Jocelyn, um, mm-hmm. to talk about, um, <clears throat> the, um, uh, value of what they've done and, and how it's benefited. The problem is the solution. Uh, it's most mm-hmm. because, uh, ever since, the, these people put that out uh that not only has it brought a lot of people here who's like who are kind of like I'd never heard about you until I saw this. Uh I never knew you existed until I saw these people saying you're awful, but they seem like such douchebags that whoever they're bitching about must be cool. But um, <laughs> uh it's like um up until that moment when we would have an event here, we would have like 80% awesome people and 20% people that are like dodgy. And ever since then, it's been more like 99 to one. It's like mm. they've improved the quality. of that <laughs> yeah. Dramatically. Yeah. So uh we've had a much stronger forward velocity. We've had a lot more cool people. There's, it's been just a, a lovelier thing all around. And so it's like, Everybody should get haters. <laughs> it's been well, good.
1: Yeah, knock on wood, but they say that it's a net, net benefit what hackers, black hat hackers do, because it forces the immune system of all of the engineers of the software and Internet protocols to be on guard. So it's just dance of the. You know the light, the 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 light and the shadow, and and the um, you know, yes. So it's accepting feedback. We're we're living according to those permaculture principles, valuing the marginal and observation and whatnot. So yes, that's part of the the tantric path too, is acknowledging the shadow within and without, and and merging and mixing your your masculine and feminine. And and so um, I think it's a it's a healthy approach. And you're still you're still with us. You have overcome health challenges. You have overcome the challenges. Of uh, those who would um, not speak this highly of you as as, <laughs> as I do, uh, and you're still you're still cranking stuff out, and I I will not leave this earth until there is a Beekman's World or SpongeBob <laughs> type of Paul Wheaton entertainment industry opportunity. I'm still. I'm still putting that on my I, my flowery vision board of the secret uh manifestation magic that I do, so
0: I remember uh, that you wanted to make a show of like the i don't know the odd things that I say or something like that that was part of our thing from all those years ago, our podcast yes. from those many years ago i th- I thought that was uh uh it sounded like gobs of fun, but of course you know, oh I think you did it, it I requires think you doing work. it, yeah, you're, you're
1: doing, doing, doing it. it. Well, the, And then, okay, so, so last, 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 last thing is that on that, <laughs> to, to to anchor in that vision, I have been thinking about this and I'm like, you know what, with the, st- the stuff that has evolved in Web 2 and now what's coming out with Web 3, I'm very deeply involved in the cryptocurrency movement and the cypherpunk movement now after having been a little bit late to the game, but early enough to be... To be above water, uh, no pun intended on the pond podcast. I'm above water with my, with my investment strategies in crypto and I'm investing the time to study how the technology is evolving. And really I see the potential to, to compensate and incentivize. Let's say people take clips from your. Your, uh, archive of podcasts and these people, these armies of, um, rapid fire illustrators who create these, the little instructional videos for startups about how their tech works and stuff. There's just like a huge, um, the, 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 the cost of entry to be able to say, okay, take my verbiage and make a cartoon out of it. That I think is <laughs> the way to, stack functions and have it be a passive byproduct of you doing what you're already doing, which doesn't take time away and doesn't require a huge production budget. And if I have to, if I have to finance it myself, I probably will <laughs> um, because I would just love to see that I am not, I, I got clipped, I had a vasectomy, but I am a, I'm parenting a generation or parenting. I'm a cultural, not a biological parent. And I want all of the children of the, uh, the, the single mothers, the independent mothers that I support through my works and, and for all those who are struggling to, to break free from those old patriarchal patterns, that these, these young people that I have a responsibility to inform and educate about how the earth works, I want the kid fam- and family-friendly friendly versions of Paul— I.e. the somewhat censored language <laughs> versions of Paul to have a, a SpongeBob-like experience um, through cartoons, and and just you and you don't even have to do voice acting because you've already produced all of this material from from so just mining that so I'm gonna hold myself accountable to that vision and as the uh, uh, w- the next 10x of bitcoin is going to result in a massive uh um, wave of of paul wheaton cartoons with uh oh, no. <laughs> yes <laughs> because you've already created the world and the world already exists it's in my mind i'm i'm watching a cartoon every time you know, I hear the podcast, you have all these different, I mean, you could go back and listen to the, to the episodes we did where we brainstorm on what it would look like for, for you to be that kind of a, a force of nature in, 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 uh, media. And so, yeah, anyway, that's, that's uh, going, starting to go in circles on my end, but, uh, but I will, I will affirm that vision. And, uh, and I'm in a better place now than I was then in a lot of ways and, uh, and I really feel like that would be, um, a gift to humanity to, to, to just sort through that content and, and create the, uh, I mean that's kind of how they do reality TV shows anyway. They just kind of like, um, stitch together random moments from months of shooting footage straight on these reality shows and they craft the stories out of all of this raw material. So, like I said, all that exists and and you'll just wake up one day and there will be the Paul Wheaton cartoon show and you'll just have to sign to license it uh and the rest will be the rest will be history.
0: Well, I I'm glad to watch it. Um I can't help but think cuz every every episode you got to have some kind of storyline and I have no clue on how to create a storyline for an episode of a show like that to make it interesting. Um, uh, I, I want to see what it says. <laughs> what, what's the storyline? I'm, I'm curious now. Bring it. <laughs> all right.
1: All right. We'll, we'll, pilot episode coming soon. It's, I've got, I've got my own sort of small army of people who want to, uh, who have more time and skills than money to pay for my, Private coaching services, but they want that and I'm going to give them an opportunity. I'm going to say start panning for gold within your podcast and we will start to, we'll start to put together at least some audio format versions and, and I can bring in, um,
0: I can bring in. Hello? Oh no. Did the internet finally give up?
1: You know what? I I probably can't hear you, but you can hear me because my, my Bluetooth battery just died. So I'm going to just wrap it up at that and just say, Paul, it's been amazing and wonderful to have you on as a guest and we will do many more episodes. And, uh, I do wish that everyone will go out to your website, start listening to your podcasts and whatever you'd like to say to close us out and say goodbye, please do so. And, uh, we will be in touch very soon.
0: All right. If you like this sort of thing, Come on out to the forums at permies.com, where we talk about building ponds on dry land, homesteading, and permaculture all the time. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton and make a pledge for future
1: artifacts.